Welcome to the latest episode of Women's Hockey Digest. I'm your host Stephen Edwards and today I'm delighted to be joined by Amanda Levier from the Buffalo Buttes and Rebecca Morse from the Metropolitan Riveters. First up is Amanda Levier. Delighted to welcome to the podcast Amanda Levier from the Buffalo Buttes. Amanda, thanks so much for joining me. How's it going? Pretty well. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. Of course, last week we had Kelsey, and you was around when I spoke to Kelsey. Now, your question is, is Kelsey there whilst I'm talking to you? No, unfortunately, she's not with me. <laughs> okay, so before we chat some Buttes hockey, let's get to know you a little bit better. So where did you grow up, and when did you start playing hockey? Uh, I was born in Montreal, Quebec, and I started playing hockey when I was, I think I was four years old. My older brother was into hockey, and I wanted to be just like him. So one night we were out shopping for my brother's hockey equipment, and apparently I was in the store, and I just started bawling my eyes out and screaming. And the only way they could calm me down was when my dad said that he would let me play hockey. And then after that, I just started playing hockey. I was a player at the time, and I think I switched the goalie around like 10 years old or so. What made you make the switch to goalie? Can you remember? I do, yeah. It actually wasn't my decision. So I loved hockey more than anything when I was a kid, and I really liked to be on the ice, which was kind of a problem because any time that I had to get off the ice for another player to come on the ice, I would bawl my eyes out and I would lie on the ground and cry. So my dad gave me the option. I could either play goalie where I could stay on the ice for the entire time or I would have to stop playing hockey because it was such a... It was such a struggle to get me off the ice for somebody <laughs> else to go on the ice. That's excellent. And was there any netminders you enjoyed watching growing up? Oh, so many. Me and my mom were a big fan of Martin Brodeur mm-hmm. when I was younger. And then as I got older, Carey Price became like my favorite goalie to watch, which is probably everybody's favorite goalie now. Absolutely. I mean, I was expecting you to either say um, Martin Brodeur or Patrick Waugh. It was going to be one of those two, so I'm not surprised you picked uh, Martin. Yeah, he's, or he was awesome. Well, as you say, uh, he's um, now sadly retired, but Kerry Price is obviously holding down the mantle for the Montreal Canadiens. So you are a Canadiens fan? Oh, absolutely. The biggest Canadian fan out there. My dad, um, he's also a big Habs fan, so he used to watch all the games growing up. And I was actually really sad when they traded Cristobal Huey away. He was the goalie before Carey Price, but then very quickly after that, Carey Price became my favorite goalie, and he's such like a joy to watch. He makes everything so easy on the ice. I mean, he's also like six foot four, so that kind of helps. But he's just so fun to watch. So let's talk more about yourself. You played at the University of Minnesota. What do you remember most about your time there, both on and off the ice? Just being surrounded by such great people, the coaching staff all really cared about us as people and about our careers after hockey. And then the teammates as well were just fantastic players. They were all very talented on the ice, obviously, and we had a lot of success. But the thing that I remember most is just how much fun it was to be part of that team and part of that atmosphere where everybody just cared about each other and pushed each other to be better. And you were drafted 12th overall by the Buffalo Buttes in the inaugural draft. How much did that mean to you? That was very, very special because obviously it was the first year that they had a draft and it was very exciting that they were going to have a professional women's league because when I was growing up, there was no such thing as professional hockey for girls. And 
all the girls didn't really have anything to look up to after college. So being able to continue my hockey career was something that I'm very grateful for. And to be drafted was just a bonus. I mean, we look at players like yourself and, and the rest of the women that play in the league as role models. What does that mean to you, that you are a role model for hockey players of the next generation? That's fantastic. When I played on the Gophers, um, anytime that we would walk out onto the ice, there was always like eight or nine girls trying to high-five us. And that's something that's truly special to be able to see that some people admire you and they want to be like you when they're older is an incredible feeling. And I try to give back to the community by volunteering my time sometimes, by coaching younger girls and helping them to see that there is a professional hockey league and if they want to grow up and be a professional hockey player that that's something that's attainable now and that's very special does it seem a bit surreal when you see somebody wear like one of your jerseys or even one of the t-shirts with your name on the back yeah absolutely i had one of the girls that i coached in the summer say that uh she got my jersey for christmas and that was just truly amazing that somebody would want to wear my jersey what are your memories of winning the Isabel Cup last season? That was truly a very special moment for me. Um, I didn't play in the game, but Brianne McLaughlin had mm. grown to be one of my pretty good friends on the team. So to be able to see her and other players that were going to retire go out on such a high note was truly special. And of course, Brianne had a phenomenal night in there and played a very big part in the Buttes winning the Cup. Absolutely. She was fantastic the entire year. If I could have picked someone to be MVP of the league, I would have picked her because she, every game, she was always at her top performance. She got a lot of shots and um, like you saw in the game, I think what she had like 65 or 70 shots and she turned away all but two of them and just played really solid and was a really good teammate and role model for all the young girls on the team. What does it mean to you kind of taking over from her as the number one in net for the Buttes this season? That's been very special as well. I'm very grateful that I get the opportunity to be a starter for a professional team. And I had one of the best role models and mentors last year in Brianne McLaughlin. And I hope to continue to finish this year out strong and see what comes next. This weekend, the Buttes are playing in Pittsburgh against the Wild. What are your thoughts on the game, especially returning to Pittsburgh once again? Last year, the All-Star game was in Pittsburgh, and I saw that they had a really good turnout there. So I'm excited to see what the turnout will be for fans and how many young girls will be in the stands. We're playing Connecticut, and they have a very good goaltender in Sid Rossman, so we'll know that we'll have to get a lot of pucks on her and play strong defensively as well. So let's talk Levman's stunts. Um, I spoke to Kelsey, obviously, on an episode last week and obviously opened my eyes to even more of what yourself and her get up to. And there was a, a mention of yourself getting thrown out as target. Now, would you like to elaborate on that story a little bit further? Okay, so I was in Minnesota for a couple of weeks last summer and one of the goalies that I was training with at the time we thought that it would be a great idea to go into Target and just film some stuff. Unfortunately, we forgot to ask the people if it would be okay if we started filming because 
you honestly, you got to be really respectful of other people when you're wearing gear because sometimes you frighten people because it is a lot of gear and stuff on you and people don't expect to see people running around in their goalie gear in stores. Anyways, we were in the blanket aisle and we thought it would be a great idea to just put all the blanket boxes on top of each other and then run through them. So while we were doing that, somebody came over to us and informed us that we couldn't be filming in the store and kind of told us that we had to get out. It ended up being a very friendly conversation with the person, but it was a good reminder that we kind of stand out in goalie gear and we should make sure that we ask the appropriate people if we can be in their store or on their land when we're running around in goalie gear. What's the one stunt you've always wanted to do? I think it would be really cool to go like snowboarding or skiing in our goalie gear, especially if you fall. I feel like you'd be really padded. Well, I need to make that happen then because I know that uh, Kelsey wants to do some um, other stunts as well. But it's always fun seeing what the two of you get up to on Twitter and talking to Twitter. Before I let you go, let's finish up with some Twitter questions. So Dan Rice asks, favorite post-game meal? That's like... A toss-up. I really like pasta and chicken after a game, but I also like nuggets from McDonald's. So, I don't know. It's pretty much a toss-up. I'll say, like, pasta and then nuggets. And he also says, toughest shooter you have faced in the NWHL? Honestly, the toughest shooter that I faced was Megan Bozak. She has one of the hardest shots I've ever seen. And she's one of the only people that when she winds up, it's okay if it, kind of goes in the neck because it hurts so much when it hits you and she's the only person i would ever say that about she's a tremendous hockey player and has the best shot hands down that i've ever seen i was going to ask you actually i mean what do you find more difficult as a goalie somebody that has like a quick release on a wrist shot or somebody that does have a shot like that i mean it, it all depends it's all situational sometimes it's hard when somebody throws like a muffin shot at you because it's hard to track But then again, if somebody has a quick release, then it makes it harder to react because you're not expecting someone to get the puck off their stick quite as quick as they did. And that's something that Megan Bozak could do really well. She could get it off her stick lightning fast, and then her shot was also really hard and accurate. Let's go back to Twitter. Anna Shea asks, what's the best nickname on the team? Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. There's a lot of really good nicknames that have a lot of meaning behind them. Um, Personally, I like the name Scams. That's Haley Scamara's um, nickname. I like that one best, but there are a lot of really good nicknames on the team. Uh, Steph asks, favorite musician or band? I got to say Michael Jackson. I've been a big fan of him forever as long as i can remember um he's definitely my favorite artist and band i i don't know i don't really listen to that many bands maybe like a country band or something if there are country bands and finally jose cuavas asks can you tell us a bit more about the designs on your pads and masks in the past with the golden gophers and now with a butte so the mask that i have right now is still the mask that i have in college and it has a lot of meaning to it to me on one of the sides I have Goldie Gopher doing the Ken Dryden post and like I mentioned before 
the Montreal Canadiens are my favorite team, and me and my dad uh, used to have a lot of fun watching the Habs play together when I was younger. On the other side, it's just the Minnesota State, and I think there's a couple gophers in there. On the top, it just says University of Minnesota, and then on the chin, it has my uh, number on it. On the back, there's a very important Bible quote to me, Jeremiah 2911. Um, has a lot of meaning to me. My pads I got last year, and I really like them. They're Brian's genetic threes, and they have lightning bolt graphics on them. I thought that would be just super cool to have, and I asked a lot of kids that I coached with if they thought it would be a cool design, and they thought it would be, so I got those. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping to get a new mask soon where I can paint it to match the Buffalo Buttes. As much as I love the mask that I have right now, it is kind of getting a little old. So I don't know. Maybe I'll have a new mask in a month or so to end the season. That would be kind of fun. Amanda, I'd love to thank you for joining me today. And I'd like to wish you and the team all the very best for the rest of the season. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Great stuff from Amanda. Now time for Rebecca Morse. Delighted to welcome to the podcast Rebecca Morse from the Metropolitan Riveters. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's an intriguing week in the NWHL because we've only got one game this weekend and the Riveters aren't playing. But before we get to talking about those unbeaten team of yours, let's give the listeners and fans a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So... Where did you grow up, and when did you first start playing hockey? I grew up in Westfield, New Jersey, actually not too far from the Riveters' home rink in Newark. And I got started playing at the age of eight, on the ice at least. Prior to that, I really just had played street hockey, roller hockey, um, on on the street that I grew up in, you know, with my friends, local kids in the neighborhood. But how I really got started is my my younger brother actually started playing before me. He was a goalie. And both my parents, you know, worked worked full time. So we had au pairs from other countries growing up and and uh, I was too young to stay at home so he, so the au pairs would always take us to take my brother to practice and I would tag along. And I really just became a rink rat, would always watch his practices instead of doing, you know, other things like homework what I was what I should have been doing. I always, always watched his practices, and I, and I really enjoyed it. always went to all of his games, even, even tournaments, I remember. And I really fell in love with the game just watching it. I didn't really realize that, you know, there were girls' teams out there, and there, there weren't all, many at the time. But one day it just sort of clicked that I, I can do this. I can, I can try out for a boys' team. I can play on a girls' team, hopefully, and... Actually, my, it's funny. My mom was telling me this story, other, story the other day that apparently I had complained that I didn't want to go to Sunday school on Sundays. And my brother didn't have to go because he was always playing hockey on Sundays. So I guess I told my parents, Mom, Dad, I want to start playing hockey on Sundays so I don't have to go to Sunday school. When you was growing up, was there any players or a team that you rooted for at that particular time? Absolutely. I was always a Devils fan as far as back as I can remember. Pretty cool now that we have the partnership with them and I, I get to play at Prudential Center in their practice facility. But I definitely had a lot of role models, most of them from the Devils, 
Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, probably the two biggest ones. Two very, very fierce defensive players for the Devils right there that you've just named off. Mm-hmm. So you played at Providence for four years. What stands out the most during your time there? Honestly, probably my senior year because we had a, had a renovated rink. They started doing that towards the end of my junior year, I think, or over the summer, and it was ready for my senior year. I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be able to play in the new renovated rink. And we had a new locker room, which is a lot bigger than our, than our old locker room. So that, that's probably what I'll, what I'll remember the, the most, you know, when I, years down the road, when I look back, you know, having, having that and you know, just the, the amazing support from the Friar family, the, all the donors who made it possible, getting to play in that renovated rink, you know, probably one of, one of the best rinks now in, in the NCAA so, so that was pretty cool. NHL level locker room. And so I, I was close to not being able to experience that, you know, had it happened a year later after my time at Providence was done, but I, but I got a year to play, play at, at the new rink uh, with, with the renovation. So that was pretty cool. Did you think you'd be able to continue your hockey career after college? I didn't. Initially I had thought about going, going over to Europe to play I didn't end up pursuing that. And I actually was going to play in the CWHL because I was staying in Providence for grad school and I was going to try and play for the Boston Blades. That didn't end up happening either. I decided to coach instead and, you know, really stay in Providence. Not Boston's not too far. It's about an hour from Providence, but decided to coach instead um, and focus on my studies. But when, once I was done with grad school and this, this opportunity with the NWHL came, came about, I was, I was really excited with the team being so close to my hometown. I, I jumped on that opportunity and, and really made it my mission to, to be a part of the Riveters. No, it seems like it's worked out pretty well for you. I mean, how did you find the adjustment from the college game to the pros? Not too different, you know, because you, you grow up playing with a lot of the same girls, same competition. Obviously, it's, it's the highest level now. And really every, every single player in the league is just elite, but it's definitely more, more physical, more fast paced, probably the, the biggest thing, you know, the physicality, I think they, you know, they let a lot more go the referees um, at, at the, in the NWHL than in college. So that's been, I, I'm, I like to be more of a physical player. So that's, that's been kind of nice. Um, but yeah, definitely just bigger, stronger, faster. I was going to say, bear in mind you mentioned Scott Stevens earlier in that. I, I would say that you're more of a physical player and prefer the physical side of the game. Oh yeah, definitely. He was definitely one of the most physical defensemen ever, ever in the league. And, you know, I obviously can't emulate that exactly in the women's game. Um, you know, I, I wish I could, but definitely try, try to take some notes out of, uh, pages out of his book. So... The team itself is still unbeaten at the moment. What do you think the biggest keys to the Riverside's success is this season? Honestly, I think it's I think it's our depth and our, our chemistry as a team. You know, we had a lot of girls who played last year, stayed, ended up staying. So we had that, that good core group and then and then brought on a lot of skilled players as well. And I think it, it's really just been our, our depth. You know, we have we have three good lines, three good defensive pairings. You know, 
to battle to be to be in the lineup every every game. So I think that's that's something we bring to the table. You know, we're our our first line. Um, it's obviously very very skilled, but you know that third line too, which is the role that that I that I kind of fill. You know, when I'm in the lineup, I think we've just been relentless as far as you know wearing down teams and and really beating them with our with our depth. I've got to touch on it because it's just happened this just past weekend. But I mean, that save from Katie Fitzgerald at the weekend was phenomenal. Oh my God. My jaw was literally on the floor. It's like somebody needs to get a video of that for her because, you know, from where I was, I couldn't, the angle, I couldn't see it too well. But watching it on the replay, you really, you know, see how incredible of, of a save it was. I think probably the save, the save of the year in the NWHL. No, absolutely. I mean, I've seen that. I've watched it back and forth, back and forth, and it's still incredible to think that Katie made that save. I agree with you. Save of the season, without a doubt. Yeah, she's making saves like that all the time in practice. So, wasn't a fluke by any means. You know, she was getting she was getting like knocked down. Also, you know, dragged dragged away from the net, and you know, had the presence of mind to get her glove out there, do all that she could to stop it. So, so props to her. And of course, Katie's been um, picked as part of the NWHL team to take on Team USA this weekend in a in a couple of warm up games for them. What are your thoughts on that series? Oh, it's great for the league. Uh, glad that we can help the, you know the US Olympic team in their their road to the Olympics. Um, just really good to promote the league. I think it's mutually beneficial for for both sides, and it, you know it'll be nice for those players to play on that, on that type of stage, you know, we're used to playing each other, you know, in, within the league, but for those players who, who are from the NWHL, who previously played in the NWHL, you know, it's going to be cool for them to play against some of their former teammates and, and vice versa with the NWHL girls playing against them. No, it's going to be a, an incredible two game series and, and everyone's looking forward to it within the, uh, the hockey community. But before I let you go, let's just finish up with some Twitter questions that have come in. Dan Rice asks, favorite game you've played, college or pro? It's got to be the home opener this season at Prudential Center, the Devils' home rink. That was just a, a dream come true for me, very, very surreal. The whole, the whole day went by incredibly fast. Um, you know, thinking about it, I was just so in the moment, you know, before, before the game, sitting on the, the bench, that same bench that the Devils sit on and just kind of taking a second to, to take it all in, you know, look at my surroundings. I'm used to sitting, you know, in the, in the seats, watching the Devils play. Now I'm playing on this ice. It was, it was just really, really awesome. And other than that, probably college game Frozen Fenway. We got the opportunity to, to play um, on, on, the, on the ice when they, when they had it at Fenway. I think it was my my junior year so, so that was pretty cool definitely an experience i'll never forget if someone had told you when you first took up hockey that you would be playing at the prudential center the home of the Dells, a team you rooted for as a kid in the whole life what would you have said to them i probably would have been in disbelief honestly i mean i grew up wanting to to be on the devils and that that unfortunately isn't a reality so this is definitely the next best thing, if not better, probably better, you know, because I'm playing in a women's league and, and you know, doing, doing what I love. So it was just amazing. 
Going back to Twitter, uh, Rivs Nation asks, if you had a blank check, what are the first three things you would give to all of women's hockey? You know, I saw that question and there was kind of like a second question slash clarification embedded in it. Rivs Nation, they they create their own products. Mm. And I think they have a scarf, maybe a pat, patches, magnets. So I didn't really know if they, they meant that or like in the larger sense, gifting women's hockey. So if it's gifting women's, women's hockey in general, it'd probably be funding equipment for, for youth girls programs around the country. But for Rivs Nation specifically, I would say maybe a Riveters knee hockey set. I know growing up, I always, I always love to play knee hockey, you know, at hotels and tournaments at my house, you know, with my, my dad and brother so I think that'd be really cool for, for girls to have, you know, like they have the, for different, different NHL teams, they have like the sticks um, with the, with all the with the logos and branding. I think that'd be pretty cool if we could, we could do that for the ribs. Yeah. They did follow that up with another question that says, what should we add to the ribs nation swag store? Yeah. I think, I think people would like that. Maybe, maybe phone cases. I've seen some, some fans with phone cases, not sure where they got them from, but that's a that's a pretty popular thing, and I think fitting nowadays. Um, you know, fans have asked us to sign their phones before, so I think they would really get a kick out of that. Um, Anna Shea asks, "What's the best nickname on the team?" Oh, got to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> there no, there are a lot of nicknames. My nickname is Moose, like the animal. Um, so pretty pretty unique. I think Stretch is a pretty cool nickname for Ashley Johnson. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd probably say mine, um, or stretch. Uh, final question. Steph asks, favorite musician or band? Um, hmm. I'm a big Kesha fan. Um, my, my teammates know that my closest friends know that. I just always loved her, not necessarily her music, but everything that she stands for. And I'm really into rap music, hip hop. Also, I don't know necessarily that I have a favorite right now, but I, growing up, I loved Eminem and Biggie Smalls. Excellent. Well, Rebecca, I'd love to thank you for joining me today, and I'd like to wish you and the team all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me. Excellent stuff from Rebecca, and that just about wraps up today's episode. I'd like to thank Amanda and Rebecca for joining me on Women's Hockey Digest. Every week I'll be joined by players from the NWHL to discuss hockey and much more. But for now, I've been your host Stephen Edwards. You can find me on Twitter at TalkSportStephen. You can find the podcast at WH Digest. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app. All the details will be in the episode notes. But until next time, it's a good night for me.